Hey, what's up? It's 10 p.m. and you are listening to WMSC 90.3 in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. This is Japan Nick signing on for the night. I've got special guests, Evan Russell Saffer and Band in the House. This will be the third year Evan Russell Saffer appears on my show, as well as WMSC, and the fifth appearance. So, Evan, can you please introduce your band members? Anyway, yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm here with my, my band. We're a little bit revamped this year. I've uh, kind of gone in a new direction. Um, my new record's coming out, The Opponent, and it's more of an electro-punk effort. But uh, I'm back with guitar virtuoso Eric Bear on lead guitar. He's still with me. And Hello. Uh, <laughs> and a uh, new addition is Martin Kessner, who is doing a lot of the sequencing, uh, beat creation, uh, synthesizers, and electronics on the record and live, and Martin is also playing some rhythm guitar. He's from the UK, and uh, pretty cool story how we met. Anyway, Martin, say hello. Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hello, cheerios. Hello, hello. <laughs> Evan, care to tell us the story about how you and Martin met? Why don't you tell it? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, fair enough. All right, so in the dim and distant past, I came to New York through work, and... Um, I was so thrilled to be in New York. I thought I'd go and check out a few places. So I went to CBGB's just on one of my nights off. And yeah, uh, it so happened that Fixer were, were performing that night. And F- I was Fixer is my old band, for those of you who don't know uh, my past. But I was in a, a band called Fixer for about nine years, 2000 to 2009. Yep. Right. So yeah, just by random occurrence, I popped in, saw Fixer, and they were unbelievably good um i thought wow this band is excellent so from that day onwards i just kind of followed their their career but from back in the uk i actually went back to the uk so it was buying cds downloading their stuff just keeping an eye on them and i actually moved over here to the states just quite recently just about two years ago and um yeah lo and behold evan just posted a, an ad on his on his website just saying sequencer needed or something like that so i thought hang on I like this guy, I like this band, so yeah, why don't I just uh, apply? And I never thought he'd ever reply, but he did. And so yeah, that's kind of how we met. I just think that it was like an unbelievable coincidence that he saw my old band, we continued to follow my career, and then somehow the timing was right. He's back in the States, I'm looking for more of an electronic partner, and it just seemed to work out. And I'm. I sent him a few of the mixes of the opponents. Um, I'm, uh, I was also working with another producer and DJ on some electronic things, and that sort of led me to Martin. And this record's basically taken about a year and a half, or it's it's five songs, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we've redone the record about three times. But I will tell you that tonight, um, for the first time ever, we're going to play one of the songs off of the opponent. We'll play a little later. Um, but it's I'm very very happy with where the record is now and uh, my new sound and my team. It's a little tighter and slimmer, but it's uh, some great two great guys with me. So. Now, who do you have in your band completely when it's not a stripped down set? So this is it, Nick. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is it. <laughs> so so whether we're in the radio or acoustic or or live, which will be full blown like electro punk phenomenon. It's just me, Eric, and Martin. So there's no dr- actual drummer or bass player anymore. Um, 
Tony Baptist, uh, aka Diapers, is no longer with me, but he's still he's still alive and kicking. And um, Cody Darby's also he's not with me now, but he's he's in another band and uh, they're doing well. But basically, you know, Martin is handling all of the beats and sub bass uh, digitally, along with rhythm guitar. Eric's doing lead guitar and and backing vocals, and I'm on lead vocals. So it's it's a it's a much different format for me in many ways. What inspired you to take a different direction away from like rock music towards like a synthesizer synthesizer yeah. based sound? Right. Um, it's a great question, and I think that I just have always wanted to evolve. I've always wanted to be open to do every type of music. I really started in in hard rock, classic rock, metal, but um, and you know when I put out my first solo album, Neon Gas, uh, in two thousand ten. I thought that was an evolution from Fixer. It was still rock, but it was more of like a schizophrenic rock opera. We tried to really mix up the patterns, maybe put a little progressive sound in there. We had dual lead guitar parts. Um, And I I don't know, this is just another evolution. I I remember sometime uh, in the last year and a half, I was talking to Eric and, and the band at the time, and I had expressed that I wanted to go in a more electronic direction. And, you know, there was some resistance. They were like, oh, you know, what do you mean, really? And the first incarnation of the opponent was a very mild version of that. It was, a, you yeah. know, it was still very rock. It was still very rock. Yep. Didn't really change the format very much. But then yeah. we had some guy come in and do some some of that uh, electronic stuff. Yeah. It, was, it was hard. It was, hard it was in there. Soft. It was subtly in there. It was textured in there. And then... I said to myself, you know what? I like this, but it's not enough. Yeah. And then, I t- you know, and we had finished the record. We finished, like, the full rock version of the opponent uh, with, like, some slight electronics, little sounds here and there. And then I hooked up with uh, producer Case Reese, um, and we worked out of his studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And um, he's, like, a full, real-deal DJ, uh, you know, electronic maestro. And he... We redid the record completely with him, like a very electronic version. And then somewhere in there, I, you know, I still wanted to take it the next step further, and I was kind of looking to start putting together the band and how is this going to work. And that's when Martin came in. And then when Martin came in, it really took the biggest step forward, I think, and I am completely confident that sonically I'm where I want to be. And it is very exaggerated electronics however it is fundamentally still a fierce rock mega rock i mean that's basically what i'm doing is really marrying rock and electronics or electro um and we we're calling it electro punk right now i mean it's it's definitely got that vibe <laughs> yeah that's a good good name for it how do you know when enough is enough <laughs> that is they're, they're laughing at me because I, I constantly like I just keep bringing it back to ground zero and you, that's a phenomenal question and I ask myself and I try to have you know people around me that I respect musically and I do right now and um, I guess you really never know I think as an artist you can always do better and I think that every time you put out a record what it really is is sort of like checking in. It's never done, so you're like, okay, look, finally I'm just going to check in, everybody. This is where I'm at, <laughs> you know, and we're, the next one will be the next thing, and that's it. Okay, now, 
But you know, you're right. At some point, you have to pull the trigger, finish a record, and say we're going to go. And I think that's where we are right now. The song that you're going to hear tonight, um, you know, I just heard it yesterday. This final version for the first time. Eric just heard it tonight. Uh, and I've my- heard different mixes of this, but not with Martin doing it. And uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, crazy difference. <laughs> it's a crazy difference, but I'm. This is it. We're pulling the trigger. I think we had like two tiny mix notes, but what you're going to hear tonight is, you know, it's unmastered, but I, it's ferocious, and I'm sure that this, whatever studio radio compression, it's you're going to, you know, it'll it'll blow out the windows of your car. <laughs> Looking back on your album Neon Gas, what are some critiques that you give yourself on how that album came to be? I think the biggest critique on that album, you know, both of the the first album and the second album um, were self-financed and self-produced, uh, really. Um, and I spent a fortune on that record. I mean, that record cost about $26,000 to make. Um, whereas this new record, uh, I mean, Neon Gas is eight songs. Um, you know, there's some... A-list producers on that record. Uh, David Holman worked on several of those tracks in Hollywood. He, you know, he's primarily responsible for you know the biggest record that no doubt ever put out, Tragic Kingdom and Bush and uh, Unwritten Law, a bunch of you know A-list artists. And it, it was a incredible experience working with him. But you know, all those things added up, and I, I traveled to Hollywood and I I brought in an, you know an orchestra to play strings under. I mean, it was just. I think I felt maybe I had something to prove it being my first solo record, my first step away from Fixer, who I'd been with for 10 years. And this record, you know, I just got smarter and leaner, and technology's evolved, and the people I've met are are working faster and leaner, and uh, I'm better. And, I mean, this record is probably under $5,000, you know, so it's vastly different, and uh, I feel like the quality is... I, I couldn't have asked for better. I can't wait to unveil it and have everyone hear it. Yeah. If, if anyone wants to hear uh, Neon Gas, it's streaming right now on my website, which is ersband.com. Uh, you could stream the whole thing for there. You can buy it anywhere also. Shall we listen to uh, maybe Chemical Marketplace or Dream of Love? Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, this is yeah. Those two tracks, Chemical Marketplace, Dream of Love, those are off of Neon Gas, which is my first record, which is out now. Um, yeah, boot it up, Nick. Here we go. Chemical Marketplace by Evan Russell Safford, and you're listening to WMSC 
And we're back. That was Chemical Marketplace by Evan Russell Sapper off of Neon Gas. You've been working on a follow-up to Neon Gas called The Opponent. Yep. What types of things do you see in your eyes are worth fighting for or against? Oh, I, I see the question because yeah. The Opponent. Okay, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I'm not like a militant guy. <laughs> um, uh, well, basically the concept of The Opponent is really – where my head's been at spiritually um, this past two years, and it's, I, in a cliche sort of way, fighting myself. It's my own demons, my own mind, my own decision-making process. You brought up a great point before, you know, when is enough enough? Um, there's some things on the record that deal with the constant torture of finding immediate satisfaction, whether it's, you know, relationships or substance abuse or whatever it is that you're battling, um you know, uh, second-guessing yourself. Um, those are things I think are that everybody is constantly on some level dealing with. And uh, I've just been analyzing my own mind pattern a lot lately. I've been studying Kabbalah for, for the past year, um, you know, spiritually listening to a lot of Eckhart Tolle recordings and readings, um, Power of Now, trying to analyze... Um, you know, how much of your ego is really the one talking and reacting versus, like, who you really want to be. That sounds kind of heavy. Uh, the record is, is not that heavy. It's really uplifting and fun. But um, I think that's the concept behind the word opponent. Um, you know, I don't have any issues with, like, any particular country or <laughs> anything. Right now, it's like... The opponent. The opponent. <laughs> now, one of your upcoming songs on that album is a piano bass track. How long have you been performing with the piano? Um, actually, there isn't a piano-based track, but uh, I do. Maybe I told you this like over the phone or something. Yeah. But I, I play piano and guitar, and I use those um, tools for writing purposes. I mean, al almost all the songs start uh, in some format that way. I think what's interesting to note on this record, even though it's my second solo record, um, is that it was almost completely co-written with Eric Bear, who joined me. Uh, after Neon Gas had kind of come out. Um, and Neon Gas was primarily co-written with me and Wilson Lynn, who's my old original guitar player fixer. So it's sort of like, I don't know, this this one, you know, some of the tracks I wrote and many of them, most of them I wrote with Eric. So the writing, I don't know, maybe people will hear that. His, you know, he's an incredible monster riff maker and soloist and... Uh, again, you know, in a little while we're going to play uh, the track Best in Me off The Opponent. You can, you can definitely hear what um, writing and playing-wise Eric has brought to the table. Um, and also Martin. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all over it. So, it, um, And Evan's vocals on that track, by the way, are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so he hasn't lost any of that <laughs> ability. It's amazing. It's been a while, though. We were just out in the hallway. We just walked into the <laughs> studio and... We're like, oh, let's just jam through these songs. You know, we're gonna also maybe play a few acoustic, uh, acu acoustic versions of of some songs off the opponent tonight. And uh, I haven't sang really in a in a live setting in a while. You know, we spent did some vocals in the studio, but that was, you know, it's been a while. We got to get back into the into like live mode. Now, I remember you playing "Best in Me" on uh, previous appearances on my show. How has that song changed? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's like almost undefinable without actually listening to the song. But um, 
I can say that the, you know, the melodies, the riff, the song structure to some degree, you know, was intact when Eric and I wrote the song. I mean, that's that's how songs are written. But then the production aspect and the really the whole concept of what I'm doing, the electro punk is undefinable until, you know, you can hear it now where it's come is absolutely um, incredible. You have a live album from a performance last year at Webster Hall. Please tell me, how did you set this up, and what did you feel most proud of from that album? <laughs> that album, I mean, like, listening back, I'm like, why did we release this? <laughs> uh, well, we had plans on maybe doing recording a couple of live albums, you know. Yeah. Because we didn't know what Evan Russell Sapper was going to do in the future. So right. we thought we'd keep on recording albums. And, hey, let's sell them at the merch table. Why not? Make yeah, some yeah. money off them a little bit. So that was a big ordeal. I just remember it was hotter than hell there, man. That was a I hot it was show. So hot at Webster, man. Well, I think I think one of the things of that show is that there's a, there's so many factors, but a, a live show is just that. It's a live show, and that energy that night. I remember we we thought we were at the top of our game. Whatever lineup ERS was on on the Neon Gas like last year uh, on the Neon Gas cycle, that was like the hottest we ever were. Meaning the top of our game, our chops. We were a unit. It was a packed house. The crowd was super loud and we crushed it so we had recorded it we're like we got we're gonna release this show but you know i mean there's so many different ways to record like you said when is enough is enough in the studio i'm a lunatic and you analyze every single shred of it and then live you know we could track it out we could mix it i could you know secretly recut vocals but we didn't do any of that it's we we did it like you know warts and all it's it's uh it's a live bootleg and that's what that was meant to be. It was for the fans, for people who, like, when I'm really into a band, I just, I don't, I just want to, like, hear really what the show was like. I mean, the, no, nothing was redone or retouched. And, you know, you can, you can listen to that album, pick it up on my website, ersband.com. Um, and it's the only live bootleg floating around right now of the solo stuff. But we're going to do more of that this year. I'd like <laughs> to. Supposing you do make more live bootlegs, will this just be like your three-piece lineup that is in the studio right now, or do you think there'll be any um, differences? No, it's just going to be the three-piece. I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, we, we were just talking about this when we were off the air for a second. Uh, you know, I, I guess it is hard to like visualize like how the hell is that going to work, <laughs> and you know, because and we don't know either you know but i in my mind it it does and I, you know we've obviously discussed it and you know everyone's saying yes so, <laughs> but um yeah i mean it's really like a marriage of i suppose like a dance hall rave type of environment with rock so of course it's going to look and sound different from your traditional you know five piece rock band it's you know it's it's further than that you showed me an early mix of the song One Friend a few weeks ago. I got the feeling you're referring to, like, a really honorable friend of yours. You tell me the story about this song. Is there a story? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think I've, I've, I've battled with, like, the idea of a mental schizophrenia. And, and schizophrenia is a very difficult diagnosis to some degree. Like, we're all schizophrenic because... Again, whenever your ego's talking, like if somebody makes you angry or, or, you know, you're reactive, that's your ego. That's not really who you are. And then when you're, you know, calm or giving, you're somebody else. And when you're so 
the song kind of talks about that, like all the different personalities, and you know, but the one friend is really like the one that you want to be. Um, I suppose that's what it's about, but it is like with a sense of love or compassion, like it's the one you, you really want to be, you know. I think it's like so many days that go by, I'm sure, in everyone's life where you, you like look back and you're like, ah, oh, I could have handled that differently. I was really a, <laughs> you know, some word I can't say on the air, college radio, but, you know. So that, 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 that I, I guess that's what that one, you know. Did you feel like it was cathartic writing that song? What does that mean? <laughs> a release, like you got a release experience out of it. Help it's like, let's say... Oh, I see. Was it, you've oh, had it, some it, sort of crazy ordeal, and then you just have a cigarette. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for all artists. I mean, maybe one of you guys can chime in, but I feel like almost every song, even if it's not... Even if your angle isn't the lyrics, of course, is coming from some sort of personal... I, I don't know. I mean, I think you asked me that once before. My song's about, like, do I make up stories, or are they like me? And I'm I'm definitely one of those artists where it's me, <laughs> you know, or any issues, or, I mean, I don't know who said it once, so like, Emerson or some sort of great poet or thinker that, like, every song is like a confession or some sort of, you know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Sure. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with him. Right? <laughs> All right. Next. For your spoken word track, how about a little fire, Scarecrow? What was going in your mind when you wrote that? That's pretty awesome uh, a track. I, I I think I wrote that while I was waiting tables, which I'm no longer doing. But for any people out there who are servers, I, I have the utmost respect for you. It's a very, very difficult uh, way to make a living. But... Um, I used to have a little do pad that you carry around all night and you're taking people's orders, but I was always trying to, in between the downtime, like write lyrics and write songs and write little things and stories and poems. And one of the ones I wrote was, was the poem called Scarecrow. And it's based on um, a line from The Wizard of Oz um, where the witch is about to burn the scarecrow. And she says at the end, how about a little fire scarecrow? And it's basically... The entire spoken word, it's about a minute and a half of me speaking in, like, character voices. I guess schizophrenic character voices <laughs> of... Um, you have a tendency of doing that. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, in the van, like, I just, like, wake him up, talking to myself, like, No, shut your mouth! Shut your mouth! <laughs> shut your mouth! No! Um, so, how about a little fire scarecrow is the entire emotional reaction of what goes through your mind the split second before you think you're going to die. The scarecrow is about to die. He will be burned and it's his mortal enemy and that's the entire poem or spoken word is about that. But what's cool and I think the version that we finally end up releasing is, is, is produced by Case Reese. He added all these incredible beats and soundscapes and actually Martin you really described it the best. Um... To me, yeah, it reminded me of uh, what's that movie? <laughs> oh my god! Say Blade Runner. Or? Blade Runner, yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but it just had that sort of futuristic, slightly subversive vibe about it, which, yeah, like a sort of film soundtrack or had a very sort of storytelling because it is spoken word, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it conjures up a lot of images, you know, sort of futuristic. Get closer stuff. to the micro. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it feels like a movie to me. Um, so there's there's bees. I mean, you don't really dance to it. It's it's more of like a sort of like an underground monologue. <laughs> I see now with those voices you were talking about, like Eric Morton. Tell me, how many of these voices are there, and can you describe some of them? Well, gosh, honestly, I haven't been around Evan in quite some time, yeah. so he probably developed a few more that yeah. I don't know about. <laughs> well, if, if we, you know, the last, I guess, 2010, 2011, first half of 12, maybe, we spent a lot of time together doing shows, rehearsing, and then, when you know, when I went and retreated back into, like, recording studio mode, you know, you we worked together on your parts in your session, um, but then... You know, I work with somebody else. I, you know, I, right now, towards the tail end, I'm working mostly with Martin Kessner, who's doing all the sequencing and mixing of the final versions. Yeah, because I actually recorded my parts, you know, back a while ago, at least uh, probably a year ago right. when I was done. So Eric, Eric was more in the beginning because yeah. we co-wrote the songs together, and mm. and then, you know, he he laid down his tracks, and then, you know, mm. he's been gigging, and I've been finishing the record, and then we're now we're back, yeah. re-emerging. What is harder for you, writing music from a personal experience or from something conjured up by your imagination? Well, I think we hit on that before. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a little of both. I mean, for example, actually, I, I contradicted myself because how about a little fire scarecrow? That's that's what I that's a little bit of a, of a fantasy. That's what I'm thinking the scarecrow might be thinking right before he's about to die. But, you know, everything else is, like, you know, one friend, like you mentioned before, best in me. Those are some of the titles off the opponent. Those are, you know, those are personal. Okay, now, you have an espresso bar called Cave. <laughs> what types of events go on there? Like, is it more poetry readings or more like local rock bands playing? Or is it just like coffee being served? Coffee. Yeah, we got some coffee. Cave <laughs> um, is pretty cool. That's <laughs> that's kind of like my baby. It uh, took about three years to build out, and I, that concept came about when I was actually on the on tour with Fixer towards the tail end. That's how long it took. And um, it's been an incredible experience. It's a phenomenal espresso bar. It's a gourmet espresso bar. We have all sorts of uh, coffee-based drinks we do, you know, macchiato, cappuccinos, cortados. Uh, we serve organic uh, coffee. It's... Artisanal sandwiches on baguette, and I'm plugging it now like a McDonald's. But uh, it's it's a wonderful place. It's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. If anyone's interested in checking it out or seeing pictures or visiting us, you can check it out on uh, facebook.com slash Cave Brooklyn. Cave spelled K-A-V-E Brooklyn. That's the, the tag on Facebook. Now, what's the address, and how do you get there via the subway? If you're in New York City, you take the L train, which runs directly out to Brooklyn. It's off of the Morgan Stop. And uh, again, if you want the address and all that, just uh, look up K-A-V-E on Yelp or check out the tag Cave Brooklyn on Facebook. But um, it's been it's been interesting doing that because, it, you know, I thought I had a lot of experience in service being a waiter for many years and a st- struggling, starving artist. But running a business is much different because there was a tremendous learning curve. You know, you're dealing with taxes and payroll and inventory and scheduling and, and, and a staff of people who are all incredible artists with their own little universes and uh it's been an incredible challenge but it's doing it's doing well uh it's gotten me to the point where i have the freedom to no longer be a waiter uh concentrate more on my family i have a beautiful daughter and my lovely lady at home who's hopefully listening right now (laughs) who is also the designer of cave and the partner there um 
Her company's called Cloth Interiors, if anybody wants to hire a talented architect and designer. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, I think that's the biggest thing that Cave represents, other than, I think, an awesome espresso bar in a in a upcoming neighborhood of Bushwick, Brooklyn, but it's it represents freedom for me to, uh, I think, be more of an artist and be with people I care about. How late do you let this uh, place be open till? I mean, we're open. We don't have any liquor right now, so it's like 8 to 8, 8 a.m. till 8 p.m., but it's very cool. It's some stand-up comedy with a lot of great musicians, great music in there. Um, I actually have a funny story about... Uh, I mean, we embrace all artists. Obviously, I'm an artist. I love any type of art. There's artwork on the walls. and We're actually going to be participating in something called Bushwick Open Studios, which is like a, a huge thing in Brooklyn that embraces all emerging artists, um, visual and um, audio and everything. Um, but I was on the subway and I was listening to these kids play guitar. It was, it was this kid playing guitar, like jazz guitar. And I'm thinking to myself, he's across the platform on the other side and I'm like, oh, man, he's really good. And the subway st- didn't come, still didn't come, and I'm like, he's really, really good, and and I'm like battling if I should go and talk to him, and I, I I eventually do, I go out of the subway, I walk over the other platform, I pay the fare again, and tell him he's amazing, and ask him if he wants to play at Cave Espresso Bar, and um, he's flipping out. I mean, I think he was he's like 18 years old in college or something, and I. He's like, yeah, I got a gig. Oh my gosh, I have my my friend who's my partner is a saxophone player. He's like, and then that kid walks down the stairs right then, and then they start playing together. And then I now I have them like every weekend at Cave, and they're amazing. Nice. I mean, they play their own stuff. They play jazz standards. Then they bust into like, um, like Rolling Stones and Beatles and like new stuff too, like Adele, whatever. But it's you know jazz hollow body guitar, electric guitar out of like a little cube amp and an alto sax all day in the middle of this, like, super chill espresso bar. It's so awesome. You know? Cool, cool, cool. What is the name of this inspiring band? I think they're, they're called Isaac and June. That's it, Isaac, Isaac. and June, yeah. I, I post stuff about the artists who play Akave on the Facebook, so you know, we definitely try to um, not just tell you about our new... Uh, gazpacho salad for the summer you know? guys have open night, mic nights there too? we have open mic um comedy nights stand-up comedy oh, on mondays right. yeah, yeah which is doing really well if you're a, a stand-up comic and you want to get some uh some mic time it's a really good crowd because there's a bunch of comics that have like gravitated to it so hopefully we're getting like 15 to 25 comics a night but then there's also like the cafe has a built-in crowd too so mm-hmm. now you're doing stand-up as uh you know different levels of being a professional in front of 40 people, which is great. It's free. Anyway, you want to listen to a track so I can uh, stop wagging my tongue? <laughs> Why don't we uh, listen to uh, like Dream of Love off of Neon Gas, give everyone a little more dose of the, the record that's currently available? Okay, here we go. Dream of Love's Last Dying Breath from uh, Neon Gas.
Hello. Hello, New Jersey. New Jersey. So what's the score, Evan? The score is I'm in the studio with my revised and revamped band, Eric Bear on lead guitar, Martin Kestner on sequencing rhythm guitar. I have a new album coming out called The Opponent, which is electro-punk and severely produced. Uh, but we're going to play a live acoustic song off that album. It's totally stripped down now to prove that uh, we can actually play. <laughs> <laughs> um, this song is called um, Beautiful Stranger. It's uh, I've, I've actually sang it here before and played it here before, but um, like the other ones, it's um, definitely evolved. How does the acoustic sound? It's good. Right? Hey, check. Hey, yo. All, All right. right. Martin, you ready, man? I'm good. I'm good. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Oh, one, two, three, four. Woo! I'm in a place. Nobody knows, no one can see, so no one can help. Your trouble aren't you, I could be if you want me to. I want to get to know a beautiful stranger, a beautiful stranger. Your deepest, darkest love The most precious thing In this universe Your trouble aren't you I could be if you want me to I want to get to know A beautiful stranger A beautiful stranger Your trouble aren't you I could be if you want me to I want to get to know A beautiful stranger A beautiful stranger I was asking Eric. I was like, I don't know if I'm if I sing this up or down the octave on the you know the first verse. So I guess I was still conflicted. I just forgot that we 
<laughs> we do that. At the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we add on four and four. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, Martin. No, <laughs> Sorry, everyone. We know what we're talking about. You yeah. know, thanks for tuning in. Anyway, that was Beautiful Stranger from uh stripped down version from my new album, uh, Evan Russell Saffer. I guess it's uh it's coming out later this year, The Opponent. You know what? I think uh I'm looking at the clock and I know we're we're on the air for for another hour or so, but I think that we should give everybody um the new song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is uh yeah, we're going to play another acoustic a little later. We're going to talk a little bit more, but let's do this. So um Nick, you have it queued up? Hold up. All right. Japan Nick flying in from Japan right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, everyone, I am very proud to unveil um, the latest and final, most fi- mostly final version of um, Best in Me um, from Evan Russell Saffer. You can check, it, uh, sure. check out who I am at ersband.com. This is Best in Me off the album The Opponent.
All right. Awesome. I like it. That's mm-hmm. Eric talking right there. Now, Martin. <laughs> Hold on. If you just tuned in and we're listening to that song, that's, uh, that's Best in Me off of The Opponent by me, Evan Russell Saffer, and Eric Bear on lead guitar and Martin Kessner on sequencing. You guys rock. That was awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. I like it. Sounds good in the studio, too. Yeah, yeah, like on some good yeah man. <laughs> now, Martin, tell me about how you learned to be an uh, engineer back in uh, England. Um, there's not really much of a story behind it. I was just really into, I suppose, music from an early age and wanted to create my own sound and knew I had to do something to, I don't know, to sort of express myself musically. So the obvious thing to do is pick up a guitar or whatever, but I kind of like the idea of keyboards too. So I was always kind of into that kind of thing, computers and like linking them together with my synthesizers and stuff like that. But really, uh, there's nothing special to it. It's actually quite easy. You just need a, like a laptop or something and just a bit of patience, really, and a bit of you know time to experiment. And uh, Yeah, there's no sort of magic formula. Or I don't think it takes years of practice. I think it's actually, you could probably pick up the basics in like a weekend or something. Uh, he is extremely modest. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to chime in there. That was a load of horse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like the way you just brush over a bit of patience. Uh, patience is something that the universe is vastly in short of. And uh, sorry, bro. Martin's got a lot of patience. Buy, yeah. <laughs> You're making my patience wear out with that kind of comment. You know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's so. I mean, you know, honestly, I thought about it many times also, you know, labeling myself a solo artist. I could do it. I'll just pick it up and learn it. But, you know. I think what it comes down to, especially when you collaborate with, you know, either an incredible guitar player or sequencer or whatever, you know, you want to be with people who are a master of their craft. So you get, you get together all the masters and you make music. Now, I, you know, if you're talking to someone, I don't think there's any wrong time to start anything. You know, you totally, I, I like how encouraging you are, but like, I enjoy that you were, you know, not picked it up last weekend. <laughs> well, I think the key is curiosity. If you, if you kind of think you can do something or you want to find out more about it then you're there you're you're more than halfway there just by being curious about it are so. you learning this like from um like on the on the internet or do you yeah, like how do you get yeah. the sounds do you like most of those sounds i just looked on youtube how do you make you know these crazy noises and there's so much stuff out there i just kind of you know tried it myself but do you have a board for this as well like is it like a big board or is it just a laptop no, i just got like an old laptop okay and, and it just goes from there God, yeah. it's just amazing i'm sorry i don't know much about it so it just yeah, it blows my yeah. mind to hear that song, I uh, I just heard that song today, Best of Me, and I'm like, I'm blown away. I can't believe it. From what it sounded like the last time I heard it, yeah. was more of a rock kind of vibe to it. Yeah. has become like what I envisioned, Evan was envisioning the whole time. So I'm I'm blown away, man. I really am. It sounds really cool. Wow, thank it's you. Very, yeah. very cool. I think what also makes this such an exciting and special time to debut this now on the air, the three of us, is that we really all three of us haven't been together until now. You know, Eric and I have kind of a, a longer history, and he's known, like, I've always had a vision for this, but there's such a mutual respect in the room now because we've accomplished something phenomenal. Martin mm-hmm. is on board. I, you know, I know they are both a fan of my singing and writing and working together, and likewise, uh, Eric's guitar playing, and uh, it's a really fantastic feeling to uh, to have that kind of mutual tri-factor. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just can't wait to, to release the whole album for everybody to have and also to get back out on the road and play live. Um, if you're just tuning in, my name's Evan Russell Saffer, and you can check out my music at ersband.com. 
and uh, the new record, The Opponent, will be out later this year. Now, Martin, can you talk about some of the synth effects that went into Best and Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all going to sound very dry and boring if I tell you about it. but um, No pressure, no pressure. Yeah, sure, I can tell you a little <laughs> bit. Well, I use a program called Ableton. I think a lot of people use that these days. And um, I've acquired quite a few plug-in synths somehow, not necessarily by paying all the time. But um, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hog on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't admit that. <laughs> and yeah, I just tend to search around and see what other people are using and try it myself. So I'm using a program called FM8, which I hear Skrillex uses supposedly. I don't know if he really does. Um, Massive Synth. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I've been trying that one a bit. Um, Plus a couple of others. I mean, you probably don't want to hear about all I, I do. I like anything with the word massive attached <laughs> to it. <laughs> I actually used that myself. I said I want massive guitars on the like when we were discussing the mix, and every time it hits that chorus, that's the first thing I think of. The <laughs> it is guitars are guitar. massive. <laughs> yeah, I just turn up the guitars. It's that easy, Evan. Come on. <laughs> He's like, well, let me put some massive into that. I'll just uh, tickle the volume here and uh, wow, <laughs> tickle something else. Now, Evan. Yeah. On this new album. What what track do you think um, Martin went the craziest with the synths on? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that we're, we're still in the process of it, and, and the only one that's really there at this time, really there meaning like um, we could release it t- tonight or tomorrow, and I'd be very happy with, is Best in Me. The other ones we have really good starts on, and we're, we're somewhere in the middle, so it's hard to answer that question. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that I – and th- I think this happens with every artist and every record. I keep switching my favorite song, which is also affecting how you sequence uh, the record because you're always trying to figure out, well, what song should be first and second and third. Um, that's me being a romantic that people actually still buy albums and listen to it from front to finish. I mean, if you're a single person who downloads, you know, if you just download singles, then it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, right now, my my, I mean... I was totally in love with One Friend. That was like my big song for a while on this record. Before that was Beautiful Stranger, which we did acoustic a little while ago. And now my new, my new love is the best in me. It kills. I want to listen to it ten more times. <laughs> now, Evan, if you keep jumping around with the sequencing of the tracks on the album, do you find yourself redoing the intros and outros of the songs like no, frantically? no, but that's a good question because though that's exactly how you want it to go. Like you know, however a song ends, what's the mood or vibe that's going to lead into the next song that's you know pleasing? Um, absolutely, a good question. But um, I think what we're doing is analyzing each song. When you're making the music, it just standalone on its own, like it's a single. And then when you're finished, then you can ask the sequencing question. Otherwise, you just keep chasing your tail. Um, but like I said, it's not completely finished yet, so you know it's hard to tell. Okay, now, with your stand-up routine, how long <laughs> have you been doing stand-up, and um, why did you get into that? I, I've always had a fascination with stand-up comedy. I think that it's probably the most dangerous thing in performance anyone can do. Uh, you have a two- to five-second window, and if you continually do not achieve any sort of laugh or, or good at it, you have a, another 15 seconds before they, they start hating you. Um, 
one of the reasons I, I started doing it personally and not just being a fan of stand-up comedy is because when I spent many uh, years on the road with Fixer, because um, that's really when I started doing it myself, we, you know, you meet a lot of other bands. And, uh, you know, every night there's four or five bands on the bill, or and some of them are bigger ones and some of them are younger ones. But you start seeing bands and you're like, oh, I really like this band. I really like these songs. This band has talent or potential, or even if they're a big band. Because there are some big bands, and the lead singer would ruin it for me. Because they would talk and say silly things in between the songs. And it's it's such a downer, you know, because you, you just want to, like, be captivated. It's a, kind of an important part of the show. Or don't talk then and just play through music. Um, so I just really wanted to be captivated and engaging. And it, I, I thought it couldn't hurt to be funny. So I started reading stand-up comedy books and started throwing myself out there. But the... Uh, I, I've sang the national anthem in front of thousands of people at Madison Square Garden with no backing band, a cappella. I've played with my solo band and, and, and my, uh, my previous band in front of thousands of people. I have near to zero anxiety. I, I go out there with ferocious need to rock. And uh, five seconds of stand-up comedy, I've had anxiety attacks. I, I've actually... Literally had like I've gotten flushed and heart rate. It's awful, I but I have I've bombed. But I also know the feeling of of slaying too. I know what it feels like for to stand up there for ten minutes and they laugh at every word you say. That's <laughs> that's pretty sexy. It's really really fun. Uh, so anyway, I mean that's that's why I got into it. That's why I do it once in a while. I definitely am not as serious about it. Um, you, you know, I go, I go through phases. I was when Cave, my espresso bar, Cave espresso bar. When we first started doing the open mic stand up on Mondays, I to kind of get it going. We didn't have enough comics. I was doing it like every Monday. It was like eight of us, and then it was fifteen of us. And um, so was it just top of the head stuff, or did you have to rehearse for it? No, every every comic is you know has is rehearsed. Right. What you don't rehearse is necessarily the word for word so you go on autopilot you have to really that's what's so hard you have to deliver it and be alive like you're like matter of fact i just you know i just thought of this uh you know i don't have a lot of money my kid dropped their ice cream into the gorilla cage i told her to jump in and go after it. we can't buy you another one you know <laughs> like you know but that uh, that sounded rehearsed right there you got to kind of like just deliver. The delivery yeah is what it just happened about. you know but um i love watching comedy i love um <laughs> I just watched Louis C.K. Louis C.K. I was just gonna. I watched her last night. He's hilarious. He's amazing. I love him as well. Who's the other one I love? Like the albino, like uh, what's his name? Mitch Hedberg. I love Mitch Hedberg, but no, he's living. The one I. um, Oh, this is awful of me. (laughs) By the way, my cousin's bachelor party was last seventy-two hours, so I am totally (laughs) toast right now. (laughs) Yeah, I have been awake for. Oh God, it's awful. My insides are in pain. We're in here drinking apple cider and eating apple pie. <laughs> it's good for you, man. Uh, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> no, Evan. Okay. With stand-up comedy, can you explain some things that are just inappropriate that, like, you will not get any laughs, and it's just, like, you are totally killing your future as a stand-up comedian, as well as, like, for lead singers out there, like, what are some things you just you cannot do because it's just yeah. inappropriate and you are not delivering. I mean, a couple of things as a performer of any medium, you never bash the establishment. You never talk crap about the bar, about the venue, because you want to play there again. 
even if you're trying to be funny, you're you're not impressing the owner or the promoter who's you know wants you to facilitate everybody having a good time. You're being lame and you have no material. Um, also heckling the crowd. I've seen some hecklers who are amazing who like kind of call people out, but the the reason they're amazing is because people are hysterically laughing. If the crowd goes silent and you start picking on people, you're you're bombing and you have to immediately switch and start making fun of yourself. I mean, really, that's the way to do it, is just, like, make fun of yourself. That's what most comics do. Um, I also find storytelling a, a real downer. Um, you know, stand-up comedy of shine down. three to five <laughs> seconds. Shine down? Is that what you just said? Oh, God. Well, hopefully uh, they won't invite us on tour. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was a bad bit. I just said shine down. No, I mean, it's fine, but that's what I was saying before, that, like, sometimes it's a big band. Sometimes, like, a major national act, and then all of a sudden, you know, the singer... I, one thing I all right back to lead singers. What do I what do I hate? You know, storytelling for way too long. That's annoying. Unless you're Axl Rose, and then you I, it, he somehow entertains me with his rants. But because <laughs> it always ends up in like a fight or something, or he jumps off stage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, just, uh, I shouldn't really mimic him. Um, what else do I hate? I I'm so sick of like everybody having a good time. All right, you know, how, how's everybody doing tonight? It's like, come on, man, like say something. Stop asking questions. You know, <laughs> I need you to tell me something. <laughs> Eric, Martin, what have you learned about um, what Evan has been saying? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of no, <laughs> no. Evan, um, uh, you know, since I've been with Evan, I don't even know how long it's been now. Uh, since 2011, uh, I think. So it's been a good. Whatever year and a half, two years, yeah. and uh, you know, Evan just—I don't know. I've been in bands back home. You know, I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I moved here in 2010 to New York, Brooklyn, New York. And um, I've been in bands. I was in, always in cover bands, though. I was in a few original bands. <clears throat> but uh, when I joined with Evan, you know, Evan just—he's got a lot of know-how. He definitely knows a lot about the business and and how to write melodies and all that. Just writing original material and. I don't know, when we got together, you know, we weren't really writing. We just, we wanted to get out and tour. And so 2011, man, we toured a lot. We played a lot of gigs. <laughs> and it was fun. But it was a really big learning experience for myself because I never really went out on the road and did all that. And, um, you know, you just, you learn what not to do and what to do. And, uh, you know, just living arrangements, how you're going to live, how you're going to eat. You know, and you, you just better your life. You better your plane. Your liver gets a little weak, but it's all good. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It was just it was a really fun experience for me. I really had a blast. And now I'm I'm just looking forward to doing this. You know, I, I can't promise how many gigs I can do, but you know, I'm really digging the direction. I think it's cool. I'm looking forward to writing some more material with them and yep. and going that route. I think it's gonna be fun. I'm really excited about it. Cool, Evan. What would you say to those young musicians out there that are getting ready to go on those like their first like 15 or 20 gigs, like uh, tours? Right. I mean, there's a thousand blogs out there with all tips of like do's and do nots. I mean, I think the best thing, uh, it, it really depends where you are. I mean, I was at a stage um, in the earlier years where I did not care if there was no one in the room. I wanted to play every single night, 100 gigs, uh, you know, a month. <laughs> and like, you know, and I, I, I certainly know how to optimize a tour now. For example, if you, you know, if you have a, if you're going to multiple cities and you have a show, hopefully every night. You should optimize it by getting there early and having an unplugged show the same day in the, in the town or at a college or at a cafe. I mean, you 
you should you know introduce yourself in multiple formats so like we can play acoustic and then you're also kind of promoting that all right we're going to be at this club tonight and you know the 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 club owners will start appreciating that i mean i have an encyclopedia of these kind of tips on how to do it and how to make your money last longer by you know staying with your fans and not staying in hotels and um you know how to eat right and stay healthy and buy in bulk and work as a team um uh, you know, I, I last year, like I said, we did a lot of touring, or last two years with, uh, you know, ERS band, but um, we did it smart touring. I mean, we, I think we, you know, I, I, we didn't do hundreds of shows that year, which I have done in previous years, but we certainly, every show was anywhere from 200 to 2,000 people in the audience, and they were very, very effective shows. One of the things I do at my shows is I, I give away my album for free if you sign my email list. So right there, and you know, you play in front of 200, 2,500 people, instead of trying to sell the album for $10 and selling, you know, if you're really good, maybe 17 copies, you'll, 700 people will leave with it instead. And I, I you know, the, again, there's all these different tricks that I think make it more effective. And it, it's not tricks also, you know, uh, people want the album and I want them to have it. And, um, you know, I think the most important thing until you're really at a at a, a level where you have the the fan base to justify the money, it's more important to get the exposure and the experience um, out there. I see. What types of markets have you found that you've had the fastest pickup in getting your presence uh, noticed in yeah. on the road? Well, I haven't made any official announcements of my 2013 tour dates, but I have been confirmed for a few dates and one state where i'll be doing uh rockapalooza this this summer is uh, michigan and michigan i i have always had a, a really strong connection with the people there um they love rock shows they are very loving people state of michigan is beautiful to drive through to tour in um i think the you know the upper midwest is fantastic i you know unfortunately some of the cities across America with the biggest populations aren't the best places to build a fan base because it's <clears throat> a sensory overload. There's too much going on and, pe you know, people can't pay attention or commit to you or, you know, quality of life is very different. Um, anyway, I'll be, in I'll be in Michigan this summer for a few dates and uh, we're, we're, I also have some Northeast and Upper Midwest dates coming in. Anyway, if, you, if you're just tuning in, I'm Evan Russell Saffer. My website's ersband.com, and all the information on my music and my life is there. And you're listening to WMSC 90.3 in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. you have any hopes to get on to uh, Rocklahoma anytime uh, in the future? I, lo I love all, all festivals. I mean, festivals, you know, back to exposure. I mean, that's, those are the kind of gigs you want. Like, you know, you're partnering, you're teaming, you're collaborating with the other artists um that's also a big piece of advice a piece of life advice i think is that you know the only way to succeed really is together so you really want to partner with other bands you know have good relationships be social with your fans with other bands you're nobody even if you think you are then you're on the way down not the way up and um you know that's how i feel i'm i i, I love people you know i really do enjoy meeting people talking to people um you have anything to say? Sorry, I was just zoning out. Then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Martin fell asleep. I'm talking too long. Maybe we should play a song. Maybe the listeners yeah. are zoning out. 
Why don't we play some music and then we'll come back and do an acoustic version and uh, slam some more apple cider. What about like, you want to do a ballad for uh, ERS off the Neon Gas CD? Sure. What do you want to do? Just oh, One Day? What, play, um, off, yeah. yeah, off oh, the yeah. CD. Play, play Just One Day, Nick. So this is a song off my uh, my first album, uh, solo album called the, Apo- uh, the Apo- called Neon Gas. Sorry, I'm tired. Yeah. I was at a bachelor party all weekend. Um, yeah, just one day by ERS. You're listening to WMSC ninety point three. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. <laughs>
and we're back with Evan Russell Saffer. Now, you were telling me you have a uh, acoustic song to play. Tell me, what's this called? This is off of my upcoming album, The Opponent. Uh, it's a stripped-down version of I Couldn't Love You Any More Than I Do Now. Uh, it's another ballad, so I thought you uh, could hear where, where I just was and where we're going. Let's do it. All right, am I ready? Okay. One, two, three, four. Kiss first. This could be nothing but a mischance. I'd like to touch you from a distance. What do you want to know? I live inside a different world. What if I didn't say hello? I couldn't love you any more than I do now. I couldn't love you any more than I do now. And I can sense things if you let me. And I can make things out of nothing. I want you so bad. What do you want to know? I live inside a different world What if I didn't say hello? I couldn't love you anymore Than I do now I couldn't love you anymore Than I do What do you 
Good job, guys. Yeah. That's interesting because um, Martin and Eric just met tonight. <laughs> and uh, we're out there in the hallway. He's like, what pattern are you going to play? And uh, that's how good these guys are. I mean, we just played that on radio. That's great. Good song. I like it. I like that song a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you both very much. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we've I've continued to write, though, of course, throughout the whole process. I've... Uh, Two new songs, um, <laughs> like everything's new and no one knows who I am. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I have two new songs that I just showed Martin and I'm like, you know, when we get done with this, we're talking about remixing Neon Gas possibly and then also the next thing and he's excited about the tunes. I still have to show them to you and uh, yes. Eric and maybe we'll tweak them and add some parts and well, stuff. Remember but the Kiss one? What was the Kiss one? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll save the titles. Too much okay. information. Yeah, but, damn it. Uh, something with a kiss in it. Uh, I like that word. Uh, I want to meet you, but let's kiss yes, first. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> I just played it. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> Never mind. It was that last song. <laughs> Yo, Evan, just wondering. For the Neon Gas sessions, were there any songs that you recorded or, like, you composed during those days, but you never ended up putting them on Neon Gas? Oh, absolutely. I remember um, for that record, again, like the, you know, the Overkill record, but a lot of artists do this. I recorded... Something between 15 and 26 songs, demos, um, basically like onto a computer, just like acoustic guitar, maybe a little electric guitar, vocals and backing vocals and like um, just like a click track or a beat just so you could like listen to the song and hear it. And then I did like focus groups, like different groups of either friends or fans or strangers over many months and just got feedback and how do I feel about these songs. And then as... The song started, you know, people started gravitating. I would produce it a little more, produce a little more, produce a little more. And then all of a sudden, you find that, you know, you're working on the top songs. And those are the ones that, you know, went from just being what we just played, which is um, an acoustic guitar, like a campfire version of acoustic guitar and a, and a, and a vocal to it's starting to sound like a record. And then we go back in with a producer in a real studio and redo it completely again from scratch. And uh, Neon Gas is only eight songs. Only eight songs made the cut. And um, I love that record. And thank you for playing um, some of the tracks off of that tonight. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, my name's Evan Russell Saffer. And you can check out my music um, from the album Neon Gas at ersband.com. And uh, I think we're going to maybe end off. Do we have any more questions, Nick? Well, one more. All right, here we go. Big one. <laughs> Tell me about the Neon Chronicles and how that turned out. The Neon Chronicles was uh, a book that I wrote while making the record Neon Gas. It was like a day-by-day journal, and it's like my life for like a year and a half, two years, what I was going through, and that. mostly anxieties of kind of transitioning from Fixer that I'd been in for 10 years into being a solo artist and working on you know two coasts in Hollywood and California and New York on this record and who I was working with. Um, I finished it. It's completely finished. I never released it, though. I talked about releasing it. I talked about it. But what happened is it just kept getting delayed. 
And then now I'm on this new record and I'm thinking to myself, well, does anyone really care about what I was going through on the last record? So I think I, I have it. It's finished. Um, maybe I'll print out like a few versions and just have them as like a bonus for fans at live shows who, that want it. Maybe not necessarily like release it, but I'll, I'll have it. And if you are a fan of my music and you, you bought all the records and what else is there, well, then you would, you would have this. Um, and it's, it's personal. It's pretty cool. I mean, there's some meltdowns. There's, there's one section where I'm like, walking to the train and this there's a crow in a tree and i it starts making all this noise and i imagine that it's talking to me and then i write this entire like diatribe of what i think the bird is telling me about my life that sounds a little weird um and it is but uh, it's in there (laughs) tell me honestly what was the bird saying to you it was i wrote it what it was saying and then i made it rhyme like it was a poem and it was about um you know, be strong, push on, um, admit when you're right and not wrong, and uh, or admit when you're wrong and not right, or something like that. And it was, again, it, it, it's similar similar things with me. I'm constantly battling myself, and uh, so I'm making this bird, but it's me. It's all in my mind. And that is, you know, Neon Gas, I was telling everybody it's called Schizophrenic Rock Opera. So I was basically saying then, all right, here's like 50 versions of me on a record. And now the new record's called The Opponent. So it's basically now I'm like, you know, identifying as this one thing, which is a grouping of insanity and, you know, me who I really want to be and all the other different versions of me. And Yeah. All right. Good. Um, so what I wanted to do is because I'm still super high um, on life. <laughs> Got you, suckers. Um is I just wanted to end off for, for the fans or anyone new listening and also my band who I love, Eric Bear, Martin Kessner, for joining me here tonight. Let's end off and play Best in Me one more time off my new record, The Opponent. I think it kills. I don't care that I'm playing it twice in one night. If I, if I don't like it, then I don't expect you to like it. So I you know I, if I can't listen to it even twice, then that's, that's silly. So here we go, Nick. Thank you for having us at WMSC. It's always fun being here and watching you fiddle around with the buttons and shut us off and stuff. Don't and touch button five. <laughs> don't touch button five. But Nick is the man, uh, and thank you again. This is I'm Evan Russell Saffer. Um, this next track is called Best in Me off my upcoming album, The Opponent. And please sign up for my mailing list and stay in touch at ersband.com. Rock.
All right, that was Best in Me from Evan Russell Saffer off The Opponent, his upcoming album. Um, this is the end of the interview, and we're looking forward to having uh, ERS back in the coming months, hopefully on a summer date, to um, hopefully christen the uh, performance studio. Yeah, now we know where you're at. So. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, really amazing <laughs> things. Evan Russell Saffer was the uh, first live band I ever had on my show, so I thought it'd only be appropriate to have him as the first live band performing music in the new studio for my show. So keep the tradition alive, I guess. Finally, Evan, do you have any upcoming concert dates that you wish to uh, share? Um, I haven't posted anything officially, but I think just stay tuned. Uh, ERSband.com is my website. Guys, we're all really high on that last album track we just heard, Best in Me. I really hope that you guys think it's it's awesome because I love it. And I love everybody who's involved with it. And the principal people are here sitting right here with me. And I feel very lucky and a lot of love in this room. Nick, thank you again. I'm drunk on apple cider. <laughs> I'm stuffed on apple pie. I'm, I'm sorry, apple pie coming out of my beep. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. I uh, hope to see you on the road, and we'll hopefully be back this summer. Okay? Cheers. Oh, thank you.